Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Die Allen. Conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom. Well, Jill Biden, Jill Biden, that is, EDD, EDD, you know, the, the, the big doctor in the White House. Well, she's, she, she's got COVID, apparently. I, I don't know what's going on in there, Captain. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I guess she's not vaccinated. I guess she did, didn't get her booster shot if she's got COVID, right? I mean, cue up, cue up uh, cut one for me, Captain. I mean, this is her husband, Joe Biden, right? I mean, th this is his advice. This is what he says. Go ahead and play this cut, Captain. They're, you're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. What's that? Wait, Jill. Bi Jill Biden is boosted, huh? She does have the shot. She's got the jab. She's got all the boosters. What? What's going on here? She's got. She, and she came down with COVID. Come on, man. You can't get COVID if you got the vaccine. So anyway, you know, I've talked about this before. I mean, I, 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 people are getting COVID. There is a new variant. People are always getting COVID, though. But now they're really pushing it. And I, I don't, I really, I, I don't know, Captain, how far they're going to take this thing. I, I've got stories here. They're bringing back mask mandates across the country. They're rolling them out. I got three stories here that are going to prove that for you, including what, what they're announcing at the White House. Joe Biden, you'll hear Kareem Jean-Pierre say what he's going to do now. So he apparently, they tell us, we'll never see for ourselves, uh, but he apparently is going to go back to wearing a mask indoors. You think they're sleeping in separate beds? Well, I guess so, right? I mean, I, I have this feeling that, you know, she and the VP, he and the VP, you know, their spouses are switching, switching uh, houses and rooms, you know? You saw that kiss Jill Biden gave Doug Imhoff, right? Ooh! The only time I see Joe Biden kiss somebody like that is when it's a little underage girl. That's the only time I see an exchange like, you know, the VP and Biden and vice versa. Anyway, so cue up cut two. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre. She's asked about this, this COVID stuff going on now. Oh, my goodness, COVID. We've never heard of it. It's a new thing. Let's all be scared. Let's hide in our homes. Uh, so here's Corrine Jean-Pierre saying that, that Joe Biden now is going to go back to masking indoors. Play the cut, Captain. President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And he, as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. Well, she just told you what's going to happen in this country. So if you're surprised after listening to this episode, I don't know what to tell you. I am telling you that the way things were in 2020, that's coming back. It's coming back. The mass mandates, for sure. Uh, social distancing, problem. I mean, you just heard her right there, right? She's referencing the CDC. She's telling you that in accordance with CDC guidance. I mean, where did this come from, Captain? This isn't the CDC guidance. They dropped all this. They lifted all this. That's why we don't wear masks indoors. That's why we can go to restaurants again. 
and sit wherever the heck we want. So now she's saying in accordance with CDC guidelines, Joe Biden is going to mask indoors and he's only going to remove his face mask when he's sufficiently distanced from other people. Folks, folks, I, I know this is a cliche. Resist, resist. I mean, we can't do this again. We cannot do this again. And if you're, if, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying, I don't want to offend people. We're in a very, very fragile state as a country. And that's predominantly because we have a bunch of weak citizens who allow the government to trample on our rights. This happened already. If we let them do this again, if you let them do this again, if you put a mask on your face because you live in some Democrat area and they tell you to, you are part of the problem in a very severe way. I don't know what to tell you. If you put a mask on your face because they tell you to or force you to or mandate it after everything we know, after everything we already went through, I, I can't help you. You're a dumb person. I'm sorry. I straight talk, Captain. What I, you know, I'm not trying to be mean here, but for goodness sake, we're talking about the, the, the future of our country here. And if you can't re- refuse to wear a mask, I mean, geez, what have we become as Americans? 1776, we had a, a revolution to fight for independence. We had a civil war where we killed each other, literally. Throughout the country, we spilled the uh, you know, each other's blood on the countryside and the hills of this country to, to eradicate slavery and keep this country together. World War II generation, I mean, storming the beaches of Normandy. Even bad wars where we're sent to, to our men and women are sent to fight. It's not their choice. They don't have, I mean, whether it's Iraq, Vietnam, whatever, I mean, they go and they, they die but we're going to put a mask on our face. So I want to go through these stories. I mean, but is that, is that clear, Captain? I mean, I actually, you know, I hadn't listened to that whole clip before I had you play it now, Captain. And actually, I, I, I'm actually more scared having listened to it. I, I, I didn't realize how specific she was about saying the CDC guidelines were dictating Joe Biden's behavior. And if the president of the United States is going to start to mask up indoors and outdoors and everything else, well, you bet you you better expect that that's going to be applied to you as well in some capacity. We'll see how this shakes out, but it's coming. And once again, you know, just, well, it's not happening to me yet. Well, it's happening to elementary school students in a Washington, D.C. suburb in Maryland. They just reinstated school masks for third graders. Because a handful of kids tested positive for COVID-19. You know, I'll get into this story in a second, Captain. More. But I mean, what is it with the perpetual announcements of COVID-19? I've got COVID. I mean, do you tell somebody, I got a cold, I got the flu, I got whatever. I mean, no, you just, it happens. But you you know, you got, you got, did, did you hear also, by the way, Karen Johnson got COVID. Can you believe that? Karen Johnson. So Karen Johnson, she made the announcement as well. Everyone's announcing. You get COVID, you got to let everybody know. So Karen Johnson's got it. Who is Karen? Karen Johnson is, is Whoopi Goldberg, right? Whoopi Go- that's, that's Whoopi Goldberg's real name. It's Karen Johnson. She's a Karen. 
She spells it with a C, I believe. But anyway, Karen Johnson. I don't trust people that spell their names in weird ways, Captain. It's a thing I have. And I know it's not your fault because your parents made the decision, but... And I'm not talking about, like, my sister's name is Madeline. So some people spell it, you know, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, which you sometimes pronounce it Madeline as well. My sister pronounces it, it's spelled M-A-D-E-L-Y-N. You know, so that's different. My sister gets a pass there. My parents get a pass. So that's fine. I like the spelling. But, you know, this thing, Karen Johnson, C-A-R-Y-N. And I know maybe there's somebody out there listening that spells her name Karen like that. But that's not how it's spelled. It's K-A-R-E-N. You know, there's, there's one type of Karen. Anyway, so she's announcing she's got COVID. You see what they're doing? And she's on The View, obviously, right? So they wanted to make sure that you understand that COVID is back. And your favorite TV host that nobody watches, well, they're not there that day, <laughs> even though you wouldn't have noticed because nobody watches. But nonetheless, they want to make sure you understand that Karen Johnson is missing days of work. She's getting paid. Don't worry. She's okay. They're still paying her. But she's missing work because she's got COVID. But she's okay. But she's got COVID. And she's going to come back. She's not going to die. Uh, but she's got COVID. So anyway, so that's Karen Johnson letting us know as well. So back to this school, public elementary school in Maryland. So this D.C. area elementary school in Montgomery County, Maryland, they're reinstating a mask mandate in 95s for third graders because a few kids tested positive for COVID. How do they know? What is, what is going on here, Captain? Remember the beginning of this pandemic too, right? Everyone's asymptomatic, right? That was the big thing. Oh, you can be, you can have COVID and just not feel anything, right? Like the flu. Yeah, I, I have an asymptomatic, I have asymptomatic cancer. Yes, that's right. That's right. So they're doing this to third graders. So this letter addressed to parents of students in one specific classroom informs parents that three or more individuals have tested positive for COVID-19 in the past 10 days. We are taking the following steps to keep our school environment as safe as possible for in-person teaching and learning. And you know what? When these masks don't work and they're reporting more cases, they're going to say what? Well, we just have to cancel in-person learning. So here we go again, too. The principal said that at-home rapid test kits will be sent home and encouraged. Who does this? We already know. I mean, there have been re recent data has come up. I and mean, basically, nobody's dying from COVID anymore. All right? Nobody's dying from COVID. And before, they were lying about who was dying from COVID, right? Dying from COVID or with COVID. So all this has been a bunch of uh, bull baloney to begin with. And now they're just going to do this again. What freaking country do we live in, Captain? This is not the United States of America. I'll tell you that right now. I, just, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm just, I'm losing my mind. here. I don't even have a kid in that school. But the level of tyranny in here, and this will be a theme later, but the level of tyranny we're experiencing in this country rivals. Actually, it doesn't rival. It surpasses the grievances 
experienced by the Founding Fathers. I am telling you right now, the Founding Fathers went to war with Great Britain over lesser tyranny than we are experiencing right now in the United States of America. I'm just giving you perspective. Elementary schools are not the only places where they're sticking masks on your third graders. It's also happening in universities. The University of Michigan. Well, that Center for Higher Indoctrination is asking students who test positive for COVID-19 to get a hotel room in order to quarantine for five days. According to, do you understand yet what they're doing? They're bringing back the exact same recipe as before. Now we're talking about five days of quarantining. We're talking about testing for COVID. Why would you test for COVID? Oh, yeah, I feel fine. Captain, do me a favor. Can you just pull out one of your COVID tests in there? I know you got them hanging around. Just test for COVID for me, and I'll wait, and you let me know if you're positive or not, because if you're positive, I want you to get off of this this session, because I'm concerned I could get it through the computer somehow. So I'll wait. You just let me know if you're positive or not, okay? I'll take my test, too, and I'll let you know. I, I, I mean, think about how many things are more dangerous than COVID-19. Let's just talk about the flu. Why, why, why is the University of Michigan only worried about COVID-19? Why is the University of Michigan, why are these elementary schools, why don't they insist on wearing masks to prevent the spread of the flu? Do they require kids to just test themselves for the flu? Just in case? No, because no one would accept that because they never did that before. But you see, they have rewired people's brains with COVID-19 to pretend as if airborne illnesses never existed until COVID-19. The COVID-19 is some different thing than all these other diseases and illnesses we've lived with since mankind's existence. And so they expect people when they say COVID-19 that your brain won't apply logic. COVID-19 is spread. It's a respiratory airborne illness. Like the cold, influenza, all those things. COVID viruses, by the way. But you don't react in this stupid manner, illogical manner. So anyway, so you test positive for COVID at University of Michigan and you got to go quarantine for five days somewhere else. The September announcement doesn't clarify when the isolation policy went into effect, but an archived version of the website shows the current isolation policy was likely added after June 1st. And they're pushing this new COVID vaccine as well. That's the next thing. You better believe these universities are going to say, you better get this vaccine. They're already doing it at many of these universities anyway with prior shots saying, if you don't have the shot, you can't come to school. All right. Now, some of you out there may be thinking to yourselves, well, Drew, you're just talking about schools. Schools. Who cares? 
The kids can wear the N95s. The college students, they can quarantine for five days. But that's isolated to schools. I'm not in school. Why should I care? Well, it's also being applied to counties. Los Angeles County has signaled a return to mask mandates. That's right. Barbara Ferrer, the the disgraced, I should add, lunatic L.A. County Public Health Director, she currently is encouraging people to wear masks, ventilation, hand washing, and vaccines during her latest COVID briefing. She said in California, data from the State Department shows COVID-19 hospitalizations increasing by 10.1% compared to the previous week. Here we go, right? They're setting the parameters. With a weekly total number of hospitalizations at 2,620. I'm not going to say there's never going to be a time when we might need to all put our masks back on, Barbara Ferrer said, signaling what? Impending mask mandates in Los Angeles County. It's frankly unfathomable unfathomable to me that these politicians, these bureaucrats, these lunatics would even have the audacity to go down this road again. We know the masks do not prevent the contraction or spread of the virus. We know that the vaccines don't prevent the contraction or spread of the virus. And they are going to push for the exact same dangerous, harmful, unproductive, counterproductive measures that they used before. Literally repeating this again, which is what the definition of insanity. And yes, we do live in an insane country run by absolute crazy people that hate you and hate me and hate our children and hate the truth. I I just... I'm nearly speechless. I really am. All right, I wanted to bring Captain in for this. Uh, Let's see if my microphone stays on here and I don't have a technical interruption again. This is the third time. Maybe you won't know because we're such professionals, but now I'm letting the cat out of the bag. This is the third restart for us for some reason. No, I'm not frustrated at all. It's great. Uh, So United Airlines, you hear about this, Captain, that they... Uh, had a nationwide ground stop after an equipment outage today. Did you hear this story? Okay, I, I, I just, I want to know what's going on here, Captain. So United Airlines today, they asked the Federal Aviation Administration to ground all its flights for around 40 minutes. I think it was 300 flights total. And, and the reason they get they said, we're experiencing a system-wide technology issue and are holding all aircraft at their departure airports. IT issues. What, what, is this, what does this mean, Kat? I mean, how, how... I don't recall this type of thing ever happening in the past. Like, as long as I've been alive, I don't recall 
the number of problems, and, and I'm not talking about shortages of pilots. That's brought on by, well, the COVID mandates, the, 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 the mandates for vaccines and so on and so forth. So I get that disruption. But all of these technological problems we've seen, you, you had one with Southwest too, right? Wasn't that the big one earlier on? You know, old, you know, IT that needs to be updated. I mean, what is this, like a Y2K situation where stuff just hasn't been updated? I mean, how, how can this happen at United Airlines? I, I just don't feel like we live in a first world country anymore. I mean, to, to me, like, it seems to me that in the past, like this type of situation, the Southwest thing too, right? But this situation where United Airlines grounds all of its flights because of an IT issue, like this would be the news story on the front page everywhere. How can this happen in the United States of America? A company this big. So, I mean, do you have any insight just in terms of your experience with the way these operating systems work? I mean, how can this affect every single airline, every single, why would they have to do this? Well, in this particular case, it, uh, what I'm reading, it only affected uh, United Airlines, but it seems like uh, it was a, they were doing a software update to one of their computer systems and it just didn't go well. Their airline-wise, you know, it's, um, um, and just talking out of experience on this, not necessarily know exactly what happened, but there are different systems that uh, provide the support to each particular, each airplane, for example, takeoff and landing data, where everything's loaded, how much the airplane weights, air speeds for takeoff, so on and so forth. And uh, uh, some of this software actually have some uh, bottlenecks in which if that bottlenecks, it's kind of a single point failure. And unfortunately, if that happens, then it stops everybody, everybody. And the best case scenario would be you can start doing things manually. Uh, but at that point, it just takes forever just to get one single airplane off the ground. Uh, so, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I don't want to forget this because this is related. You come from the Air Force. Yes. You, that's, that's how you learn to fly planes. That's how a lot of people used to come in. Yes. And now you have a shortage of pilots. So in your case, your experience isn't just getting trained by the airline even though you still do those routine trainings for new planes and so on and so forth, but you have extensive experience flying these different planes. And so when you talk about having to go manual, you can do that. You know how to do that. Yeah, but what about these pilots today? Like they don't have as much of experience as you, you know, when you get a DEI pilot, that's like, you know, you're the right color to fly this plane. You don't have the experience, but we want to uplift you. Yes. Th th that's a great, great question. And that's probably a, a, a show whole hour uh, on his own um, in this particular case when again we're talking about software stuff so software issues and uh, if you go do manual uh, for example manual take up and landing data you just have to get into charts be able to do uh, something that we don't do very often and you know rarely we do that uh, and rarely probably a new pilot have ever seen it uh, done so, so yes, there, there might be, I don't want to blame it on the new, new pilots in this case, uh, or saying that, uh, that they're, 
it would there would be an issue if, they, if we have to go manual on some of the software stuff. What we have been seeing issues on this the new pilots is the lack of experience, no doubt about, about it. Uh, it's taken a lot longer to get these pilots to train, and even when they go out on the line, uh, they're not as polished as pilots with you know five, ten thousand hours would be. I mean that's that's uh, that's obvious. Uh, I mean I'm gonna put it this way: Would you go to a surgeon to, to a surgeon who's going to be doing your his first surgery with you? Or do you want to go with a surgeon that has hundreds of surgeries on on the table, right? You go with an experienced guy. I mean, that's what the captain should be. But the, you know, it, it's a crew concept. It's two man operation. That's why we have two over there, two people. Uh, so when one is a little bit less polished than the other one, obviously, you know, the everything is going to come down a little bit. Uh, so that's what we've been seeing that we're pushing this new guys pretty pretty hard and um, pushing them to put them on the line and you know it's taking a lot of time to get him trained up to par and then even then I'll be honest with you you know uh, I do some of that training myself uh, I like to see pilots just handle the airplane look outside be able to fly the airplane by just looking outside. Nowadays, a lot of pilots are used to just pushing buttons. You know, it's, it's that generation who grew up with the Xbox, you know, that are just pushing buttons to make the airplane fly. Folks, you have a stick, you have a yoke, and you have a throttle. Put your hands on it, fly the airplane. That's what I keep telling my, my guys, so. Well, it's to me, it's scary as a passenger because at some point, as airlines are desperate to hire new pilots to meet the need, as those new inexperienced hires are hired at a faster rate, and you know they can't keep up with like retiring experienced captains, you're gonna have planes inevitably that aren't flown by a really experienced captain that's there to solve those problems. You're going to be on a plane with two people who know about the same thing. So generally in these situations, when you go to a, a surgeon, right, you have residency. I mean, that resident that's training to be a surgeon is paired with an experienced surgeon. So you're not ever being operated on by someone who doesn't have experience because they're always having someone there who can solve those difficult problems. And, and we're going to be on planes at some point, I'm afraid, where you have two residents flying the plane. And God forbid anything go wrong, or, or frankly, just something simple that they haven't experienced or run into yet, a problem, and they turn to each other and neither of them has the answer, that's scary. Yeah, and don't mean to, to uh, keep interjecting on this in this particular issue, but, you know, uh, kind of... It's happening now at the higher level of the airline industry. What I mean by that is happening now at the Delta, United, Southwest, 
uh, you know, the top four airlines, American, were you seeing that? Now, this has been actually happening for a little bit longer at the regional level, in which you know it's just a stepping stone to a to a uh, to a, the top four, the, the majors. Uh, but now it's really, really an issue because the regional airlines in what is a regional airline? We're not talking about the little prop airplane anymore. The regional airline is is the one that flies. Uh, fly smaller jets, but still they are jets with 75 passengers on them, and uh, some of those guys, their their uh, experience is pretty low because the major airlines are taking as many pilots as they can, and and a lot of the civilian pilots comes from the regionals, so the regionals can cannot keep up now with their requirements with pilots. Uh, their need for pilots because their major airlines are just gobbling up all the supply of pilots. So what does that leave you with? Not a lot of experienced pilots at the regional level. And uh, so that's also a big concern uh, in the airline industry. So a lot of things that, that people don't don't see that that's happening now. Well, and I would just point out that we, of course, have Pete Budish, who has zero experience running anything, who is the transportation secretary, who can't address any of it. All of this stuff is happening under him. You notice that you have crisis after crisis, whether it's the railway, whether it's planes, and he still has a job. I mean, this is the whole bureaucracy under the Biden administration. Inexperienced people who are running in charge of very vital sectors of the government that interact with, of course, the private sector. And these people don't have the capacity to solve any of these problems. It's terrifying. And I would extend that to the ignorance of people in Congress. I say this all the time. We're being ruled by our inferiors. This is just a little thing, Captain. It's, it's related to the United Airlines story, but to me, it conveys a bigger picture and story. So Eric Swalwell, right, the guy who banged the Chinese spy? I don't know if he got tested for STD. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Um, so firstly, Buttigieg, and this is the thing too. Sorry to go off on another tangent. But the existence of social media has dumbed down the entire population. Buttigieg will put out a tweet, which solves nothing. But that tweet is a placeholder for actual action. Do you understand what I'm saying, Captain? It's not, but this is what happens now. Laziness. Buttigieg is never going to do anything. He'll send out a tweet. Yeah, we're on it. And that serves as the action. But anyway, so he put out, you know, am aware of the nationwide ground stop at United Airlines due to IT issues. FAA is currently receiving more information about the cause and scope of the issue. And DOT will make sure UA meets its obligations to affect it. It's just, a, it's just word vomit. Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. It means nothing. He's not, he doesn't know. He might not have even written this tweet. Corrine Jean-Pierre could have written it for all I know since she writes everything for the president or somebody, some other staffer does. 
But uh, Eric Swalwell, this is what I wanted to get to. He was on a United flight as the news broke. And tough Eric Swalwell, well, he pledged to look into the United issues. Here's his tweet. I'm in flight on a cross-country United plane. He wrote on Twitter, now called X. As top dim on House Cyber Subcommittee, I will work to get more information to my constituents on this ground stop and whether, whether it reflects a cyber threat. Why would you submit that information to the public, Captain, when you have no backing, no factual basis to say that? This is, this, I didn't even know this. He's a top dim on the House cyber. What is his experience with cyber warfare? This is a guy who slept and had a relationship with a Chinese spy. And this guy's going to help with cyber security? But, but do you understand, like, if you have any just even mid-level work experience for a company that has more than two employees, like, you don't have to be a communications major, you don't have to study policy to know that it's not a good idea to put out, frankly, terrifying information to the public or to your other employees when you can't verify it's an issue. So to suggest that it could be a cyber threat spreads panic. And this guy feel, why does he send this tweet? Did it change any? I mean, did, did he fix anything? Because people like Swalwell, they don't have the big D energy, all right? Let me just put it that way. They don't have the big D energy like Trump does. They're not big dogs and they're not capable of anything. So he has to put himself at the center of something to make it about himself to try and seem significant or important. But this is one of the most useless, useless worthless Americans ever born. I mean that. So, yes, yes, yes. Uh, as the top dim on the House Cyber Subcommittee, I, Fang Fang Banger, will work to get more information to my constituents on this ground stop and whether it reflects a cyber th In fact, I'm going to call Fang Fang, the one I banged, immediately. Immediately. And ask her if the Chinese Communist Party is behind this possible cyber threat. Go to... Screw yourself, Swalwell. All right. Now, this is a funny story. <laughs> sort of. As funny as things can be uh, in this day and age. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the economy could melt down at any moment. That's true. Um, <laughs> we're walking on eggshells um, on national security. Uh, on a you know, crisis that we've never experienced in our history is just like staring around the corner at any moment to greet us. <laughs> true. Have you lost your marbles? He's finally lost it, Captain. He's, la he's laughing hysterically about the annihilation of America. So I'll tell you why I'm laughing in this. So, so, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold it together. So, so I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Biden economy sucks. It sucks. 
Biden is the worst president in American history. But the Washington Post and economists can't understand why the economy is not doing well. So I got a Washington Post story here, Captain. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're just flabbergasted. They, they cannot understand. Biden, in, in the minds of the Washington Post and leftist economic illiterates, Biden's policies are perfect. Everything he's doing is amazing. He's created more jobs than any president in U.S. history. This economy is amazing, except the data coming in is suggesting that the economy is not doing well and they're flummoxed. How could reality possibly, possibly oppose and contradict their own ignorance? They cannot come to terms with it. So the federal deficit now is projected to double this year. It was $1 trillion the previous year, and now it's $2 trillion. And this wasn't supposed to happen. They can't understand why this is happening. So a couple things. So obviously, yes, the deficit shot upward. They're expecting it will rise to about $2 trillion for the fiscal year that ends September 30th. And the surge in red ink has confounded many economists' expectations. They're just confounded. Typically, this is the Washington Post, right? This is, this is people that are stupider than you, right? I shouldn't say stupider than you because you're actually intelligent. This is, a, this is what a stupid person, and there are many of them in this country right now, this is what a stupid person writes. Typically, deficits contract when the economy grows. Because businesses and consumers owe more in taxes, and the government does not need to spend as much to protect those who have lost their job. Then, deficits normally expand again in downturns, downturns as those factors go into reverse. And yet the current surge in the deficit is coinciding with a period of unusually strong economic growth. These... Dummies will not acknowledge that we are not experiencing strong economic growth. And the point I want to make to you is we're being lied to about the economy. Even the numbers they're putting out to demonstrate to you or try to suggest improvement, they're not honest. I have to bring this story up one more time. Q2 of last year. The Biden administration and Biden himself patted themselves on the back and told you that they created roughly a million jobs. That's what they told you. But we found out many months later in December that the Philadelphia Fed actually looked into it and discovered that only 10,000 jobs had been created in Q2. But you were told that the Biden administration created 1 million jobs. They lied to your face. Things are far worse than anyone even knows. So Jason Furman, who served as a top economist in the Obama administration and is now an economics professor at Harvard, which means he knows absolutely nothing said the current jump in the deficit is only surpassed 
by major crises such as World War II, the 2008 financial meltdown, or the COVID pandemic. Only during these national catastrophes did the United States see deficit numbers this low. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to scare you, although maybe I am trying to scare you because we just have to be realistic about what we're facing here. This is a Obama guy, an Obama economist, who is actually telling you the truth about how bad it is. The deficit we're experiencing right now, at this size, this substantial increase in the deficit, it's only surpassed by World War II? The 08 financial crisis meltdown? And I don't need to remind you, those of you who are older than me that actually had skin in the game in 2008, I was in college. I didn't have any money. But those of you who had money in the stock market in 08, you lost a few bucks, didn't you? And so Furman, of course, like all the other Democrats, just can't understand it. To see this in an economy with low unemployment, there isn't low unemployment. There's never been anything like it. A good and strong economy with no new emergency spending and yet a deficit like this. Folks. Related to this, you understand that by the end of Biden's first term, Next year, the number of illegals who realistically will have come into this country is 10 million. I said 10 million. It's not fathomable. Where are these people? What are they doing? Are they working? This is going to collapse our economic structure. You cannot import 10 million poor people from other countries and not see your economy collapse if you're giving them welfare. And that's what we are doing. You see what they're doing in New York, spending millions and millions, it's billions really, but it's an astronomic number being spent to house these people. I just, you know, I thought I was going to get to this later. I'm just going to do it now because it's it's on my mind. A couple things here. Firstly, I'm actually very concerned about a French-style revolution brewing in this country. Now, the French Revolution was very different from the American Revolution, right? It was catastrophic. It was chaos. And France did not improve after it. All hell broke loose in France. They kill the king, they kill the royalty, and then they kill each other. We didn't do that. Ours was a controlled revolution, if you will, that improved the country, created the country. The French Revolution 
they were, it was a misguided revolution, right? I mean, their goals were different. They didn't understand things. It was kind of like what happened in Russia, right? I mean, it's like communism. Let's get everybody riled up to pursue something that's actually going to do more damage to them, right? So that's essentially what happened in France. But what led to that, uh, certainly a certain amount of, of just hatred and animosity towards the ruling elite. And I thought about this when I watched Joe Biden go and spend six hours in Hawaii. That story's gone, have you noticed, Captain? Disappeared. We've still got hundreds of people missing, unaccounted for. They're dead. I can tell you that. They're dead. Burned alive, probably. Unaccounted for. But, you know, the story's not of interest anymore. I mean, these are Americans, nearly a thousand probably, that died. Burned alive because... The Democrats who ran the government in Maui and in Hawaii at large, well, they implemented policies that got them killed. They shut off the water, didn't give them water to fight the fire. They shut down the road and didn't let them leave. They didn't give them warning. They sent the kids home from, you know, it was like a perfect storm. If you wanted to murder a thousand people in a wildfire, Hawaii showed you how to do it. Scandal, total scandal, but it's gone. But Joe Biden went there and he announced he was going to give everybody who was affected 700 bucks. And on the same day, he's demanding that we give billions more to Ukraine. And by the way, those individuals who were sent to Hawaii to uh, provide emergency services and so on and so forth from FEMA and whatnot, they were put up at five-star hotels. They cost $1,000 a night. Government workers put up in hotels $1,000 a night while these people are looking for their families in the burned rubble. It's not sustainable. At some point, the people have had enough. The way the, this administration and government treated the people of East Palestine, Ohio, still haven't been to visit them. This demand to fund a proxy war in Ukraine while our own economy melts down. And you have reports like this, and they demand we spend more and more and more. And by the way, we have upcoming, impending, right? Well, the, the Republicans are preparing to pretend to fight the Democrats and then cave on another spending bill. And they've done this on purpose, and they do it every single time. It's all a scam. And I don't want to be Mr. Negativity, but I don't have much, much faith in McCarthy anymore, Captain. He's kind of in the DeSantis camp for me. I've lost respect, faith. He's dragging his feet on the impeachment. Do you realize that in Texas right now, I think they had the first hearings today, as a matter of fact, or yesterday. One of the most formidable Republican Attorney Generals, Ken Paxton, is being impeached by Republicans in Texas. Let me repeat that again. A Republican Attorney General elected by the people of Texas is being impeached by Republicans. Democrat DAs in this country are indicting Donald Trump 
Kevin McCarthy and Republicans who control the House will not impeach Joe Biden. I have never seen a more pathetic political party in my life than the GOP. To think that Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president. We fought the Civil War against Democrats, defeated them, because that's what it was. It was Republicans versus Democrats back then. Remember this. Democrats are Confederates. And then 1876, we had the contested election. The Democrats stole the election. And Republicans said, screw yourself. We know you stole it. And they were so uh, entrenched that despite the Democrat Samuel Tilden technically winning the election of 1876, guess what? The Republican still became the president. Think about the cojones, Captain. Nah, we know you stole it. And now what have we become today? Well, you know, maybe Trump should go to prison because he questioned the election results, and we just can't have that anymore. I mean, you know, Democrats do it all the time. Mark Elias is still contesting, you know, a House race in New York, District 14. He actually says the machines switched the votes and stole the election from the incumbent, Democrat incumbent. But no, 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 Trump, you know, it's just he, he should be indicted for questioning the election results. Ah, we know the Republicans in 1876, they said, screw yourself, and they, they said the Democrats stole it. But no, no, it's 2023 now. And um, we must not challenge the Democrats. We just can't do it. It's just too, too, too dangerous. So McCarthy, the reason I'm concerned is he's, he's, he's using now this continuing resolution, which is what's going to happen, right? I mean, they, they, they're not going to fund the government for a long period of time. They put themselves in this situation. Uh, what's what's the date here this officially happens um it's, i mean it's coming up this month i guess and you know the house has approved one of the end you know you understand how this works too how this is supposed to work if lawmakers did everything the way they were supposed to by the book they would approve 12 separate spending bills to operate the federal government every single fiscal year. That's how it's supposed to work. But they don't do this. They play games. So now they've given themselves no option but to approve a short-term bill to avoid a government shutdown, which could continue. And they should just let the freaking government shut down. Shut the government down. But they're not going to do it. They're all going to cave and the Democrats are going to get exactly what they wanted and Republicans are going to pretend that they did something for you and me. So McCarthy, he's saying that he's planning to go forward with an impeachment inquiry. This is before the articles of impeachment. This is the inquiry to determine whether there is enough evidence or cause to actually file articles of impeachment. So McCarthy told GOP lawmakers in a members-only conference call on Monday night, that's yesterday, that an impeachment inquiry is the natural progression. So he signaled he's, he wants to do it. But the problem is the House is just getting back from a six-week August recess. They're going to get back on uh, 
September 12th. So they're not even there yet. So they took six weeks off. Must be nice. And then the impeachment inquiry is going to take a back seat. Because what's going to happen when they get back? They're going to have to deal with the, the, uh, the, the government funding. So now they're going to make that a priority. No, we, we can't pursue the impeachment stuff right now. We've got to deal with this, this funding of the government thing. That's more important. And that has to happen. They have to strike this deal by September 30th. Otherwise, we risk the partial government shutdown. And then if we go into a government shutdown, do you think that they're going to rush to impeach Biden? No, they're not. They're not. So, I mean, that, that's just, it's so frustrating. And, you know, McCarthy, he's not going to do what Pelosi and the Democrats did. This is a, you know, I understand not being the Democrats. But, it, you know, sometimes you don't just play by the rules if they're breaking the rules all the time. You have to, you have to adjust your playbook if you're going to beat the enemy. And what he's talking about here, so the way this impeachment process goes, so the way it's supposed to work is you have a vote on the floor of the House whether or not to have an impeachment inquiry. And then later you'd have another vote on the House floor to actually file the articles of impeachment, send it to the Senate, and then you have the trial. So we're not even at the file the articles stage yet. We're just impeachment inquiry. Basically, all the stuff that we found out from Comer and everybody else, <clears throat> well, now they just want to put that in an impeachment inquiry and less, whatever. It's just redundant at this point. But, you know, Pelosi didn't do that. Because a lot of uh, Democrats in the House, for example, they were actually uncomfortable uncomfortable with the first quid pro quo impeachment of Trump because they were up for re-election. And impeaching Trump wasn't particularly popular in swing areas or, you know, contested districts or, you know, places that like Trump. More moderate areas, if you will. And so uh, Pelosi, she didn't put it to a vote on the House floor for the impeachment inquiry. She urged the different committees to do it on their own. And it wasn't formal. She broke the rules. She didn't have it. So she had an impeachment inquiry, which wasn't even legitimate. So he's saying, no, no, we're not going to waste our time on that. I'm not just going to go straight to the impeachment. No, I'm going to, I'm going to put it to a vote on that. So whatever, it may not be significant in the end, but it illustrates, it illustrates you know, the GOP and McCarthy, the establishment type who's just wants to make sure you know that they're weak, that they're not willing to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, the GOP is a losing party, except for Trump. Trump changed the dynamic, and that's why they want to get rid of him. And by the way, you know, I was going to explain something um, with this Paxton thing. About how politics works, you have to understand Texas politics. I grew up in Texas. And I can't remember all the names right now. I don't have them in front of me. But, but what's really going on with Ken Paxton is Ken Paxton is not a rhino. Ken Paxton is very conservative. He doesn't represent the establishment. 
Ken Paxton had the audacity to beat the supposed anointed one establishment candidate back in, I think, 2014 or 15. And the Bushes didn't like it. And you have to understand that Texas, you know, people think, oh, it's, 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 it's Republican, it's red. Sure. But the politics of Texas is not very conservative. The politics of Texas is overrun by Chamber of Commerce, Republican types, rhinos. And they've been trying to destroy Ken Paxton since 2014-15. In fact, many of the issues or I don't know how it, what the, the ver, exact, exact verbiage is, but a lot of the so-called reasons listed in the impeachment go back to 2014-15. There are these unresolved accusations that have been made against Paxton that have just been sitting out there in the ether since 2014-2015. That's what a lot of it is. And there's some updated ones too. But um, just recently in the last election, Paxton trounced Jeb Bush's son, George P. Bush, who challenged him for the AG position. And the Bushes aren't happy with that. So this isn't supposed to happen, right? It's the same thing with Trump. He wasn't picked by the Republican establishment. He can't win. How could the people possibly choose him? They're not choosing who we tell them to. So they want to squash conservatism. They want to squash the movement like they always have. And this is the Republican Party. We have a war amongst ourselves all the time because basically we have Democrats trying to run the Republican Party. And Democrats, they have totally given in to the radical element of their party. Republicans, we still have this fight going on between essentially the equivalent of what the radicals are on the left, the kooks who've taken over the Democrat Party. Well, we have that in our party still, and they're fighting us who are conservative. you know, I meant, to, I meant to mention this too about when I was talking about the economy, how they're just lying. Wow, this doesn't make, it doesn't make sense because you're being lied about every, to about everything. By the way, gas prices, I think, just hit a 10-month high. So that's good news. Uh, oh, actually, Captain Q up cut three. Now, this might not be as great if you're just listening, um, but I... So this is McConnell's latest meltdown from a week or two ago. He's given a press conference. He's asked a question. It's about 45 seconds long. And you'll hear the question, and you'll hear McConnell just stop talking. His brain stops working. And an aide comes over to him and tries to help him, and he starts to kind of re-engage. But you tell me if you think that McConnell has a health problem. Play cut three, Captain Go. Hear the question, Senator, running for re-election in 2026. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Yep. 
Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. Shocking, right? We're being lied to about everything to protect this establishment, this uniparty. So McConnell's physician says there's no evidence of seizures or stroke after the second freezing episode. Now, the physician is downplaying this to say it's not a serious issue at all. Now, you saw how serious that was there. He can't speak. So he says he did all these medical evaluations. And Monahan, well, he attributed the most recent freezing episode to dehydration and lightheadedness related to his concussion, but said he was medically clear to continue. Does he seem medically clear to do his duties? Now, if, if Mitch McConnell worked at a Burger King and his job was to flip the burgers... Do you think that he would be able to do that job given his condition that you just heard or saw right there? In fact, what job could McConnell actually do given his situation there? Well, apparently the one job he's perfectly healthy and qualified for is to continue being the Senate minority leader, the most important Republican senator, and one of the most important and powerful politicians in America. Fetterman, Joe Biden, the fake president of the United States. And even when they're not, I'm sorry to say, brain dead like many of these people are today and on display, well, they, have, they don't have the mental aptitude to run this country and represent us. But this country's gotten so big, and this is the challenge, that Americans don't really feel like participating anymore. We're a huge country. We're busy. We don't have time for our civic duties. So our leaders are chosen by the party and we just go and vote for them. We don't have any say in it. We're not actually involved in vetting these people. It's just you have a professional group of uh, political types out there, advisors with self-interest who are, it's like a shadow government, just the way it is. Now, this is disturbing as well. The Proud Boys leader, Enrique Tario, was just sentenced to 20, 22 years in prison over J6. Enrique, Enrique Tario has been sentenced to 22 years in prison over charges of seditious conspiracy. It's the longest sentence handed down to any J6 defendant. Here's the thing. Tario wasn't present at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He wasn't there. And he's putting, being put in prison for 22 years. I mean, all of these people, 1,100 people have been charged. We just had a, a young man, 22 years old, commit suicide because they charged him on four misdemeanors. Two years later, or however many years later now, three years later, whatever. Yeah, they arrested him because he walked through the open doors of the Capitol with a Trump flag. And that's an insurrection. 
Now, I want to kind of end here with a little bit of history, as I alluded to earlier. Today, most of us certainly are familiar with the Boston Tea Party. The Sons of Liberty, which was considered a radical group back in 1773. Well, they were protesting taxation without representation. And they boarded several ships docked in the Boston Harbor, dressed as, disguised as Mohawk Indians, and they threw a couple hundred, whatever it was, boxes of tea belonging to the British East India Tea Company into the water. And we celebrate that today as an act of protest. But you'd be surprised maybe to know that the individuals who were involved in that protest, they weren't celebrated by those you might have expected to celebrate them. George Washington and Benjamin Franklin actually condemned the actions and condemned the Boston Tea Party. Not because they didn't agree with their sentiment protesting taxation without representation, but because of the action itself. They viewed it to be a form of vandalism rather than patriotism. So imagine this. December 1773, you have the Boston Tea Party. And George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, two of the most important founding fathers, if you will. George Washington, of course, a couple years later, would be commissioned to lead the Continental Army. And Benjamin Franklin would help create the Declaration of Independence, and he would sign it. But the Boston Tea Party wasn't a call for revolution. It was just an an act of rebellion, of protest. At that time, in, in December 1773, revolution was not even on the minds, really, of the colonists yet. It was the response by King George III in Parliament that basically set the American Revolution in motion. They passed the Intolerable Acts, which basically deprived the uh, people in Massachusetts, the colonists, of their rights. It got rid of elections. They required the citizens there, the colonists, to uh, house British troops and whatever lodging they had on their properties, and they required them to feed them. That was the obligation. They couldn't say no to that. And they were punitive. They were meant to punish the colonists. And that action, the excessive response by King George III to the Boston Tea Party, that's what inspired revolution. And from there, of course, it escalated to the beginning of the American Revolution, in 1775, when British troops went to arrest Sam Adams in Lexington. And then they were going to go to Concord and they were going to seize the gunpowder of the colonists. And Paul Revere, of course, was uh, instrumental in alerting them of this with his famous ride. But the colonists went and met the British troops in Lexington and they got in fight. And over 100 British troops were killed. I think seven 
of the Minutemen, militiamen, were killed on the American side, and that sparked the American Revolution. And so my point is, when you look at J6, it effectively was our Boston Tea Party. Totally exaggerated by the left. It was not an insurrection. And the difference, of course, between the Boston Tea Party and J6 was King George III didn't want the Boston Tea Party to happen. He didn't put feds in with the Indians and the colonists to set them up. But J6 was our Boston Tea Party, right? It was a form of protest that got out of hand that most Republicans condemned. They agreed with the sentiment, just as George Washington agreed with the sentiment of the Boston Tea Party, those individuals protesting. But he said it was vandalism. He didn't like that. He believed in private property rights. They were sacred. And the same thing with J6. We agree. There's injustice. We don't agree. We agree. There's evidence that this election was stolen. But we don't like the moderate violence that took place. And so what happened after J6, though? You have this outrageous response by the left. Just like King George III had an outrageous response to the Boston Tea Party. And what was the result? It actually united people, even people who condemned the Boston Tea Party. It proved to them that the Democratic Party, just like King George III, is just as dangerous as everyone's been saying. And I don't know. You know, when we look at history, because we have all the pieces, it already happened. You know, history, we tend to view it with inevitability. The American Revolution was inevitable. Well, sure, maybe it was, but it wasn't to the colonists. The colonists weren't trying to start a revolution at the Boston Tea Party. It was a response to more and more radical behavior and actions by King George III. And I don't know if that's an inevitable outcome for us today. I actually hope not. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 you know, who can tell? There's so many complicated things that happen. I mean, the Stamp Act happened, happened in, I think, 1765 or 6. So you had a 10-year period before the American Revolution or a 9-year period where the town shindacks were passed. I mean, just thing after thing, you had the Boston Massacre happen. But none of those things ignited the revolution. The straw broke the camel's back with when King George III reacted to the Boston Tea Party with the intolerable acts. And I don't know what the straw that breaks the camel's back today will be for us, but I'm just telling you we're on a trajectory and a path that is very scary. Very scary. And the Democrats show no sign of being level-headed, of moderation, they are determined to continue to use the events of J6, which were staged, mischaracterized, and so on and so forth, to come after us. Now, if Enrique Tario, who wasn't even there on J6, but was the leader of the Proud Boys, if he can get 22 years in prison over the J6 
protest, and he wasn't even in D.C., wasn't even on the ground at the protest, what can happen to you? They're showing you how, how much power they have. And the whole system has been corrupted. And with the COVID law, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know where we are. But if Democrats don't stop, and if, if we don't start to push back, I, I don't really see anything else but the inevitable conclusion, which none of us want. I mean, at some point, Americans aren't going to, they're just not going to take it anymore. And I'm not encouraging that outcome. I'm speaking about it because I don't want it to happen. But if we look at history, these things do happen. All right, uh, Captain, finish us off with uh, Cut 4. This is Bill Maher he was on with. This is a clip from him with Joe Rogan. And I just play this to show you how stupid Bill Maher is. I just want to show you how dumb Democrats are. Um, just play the clip, Captain. Go ahead. And he's a criminal. You know, he's not he's not being charged in these trials because he's a liar. They purposely didn't do that. Apparently, it's okay. It's not illegal to lie to the American people. And of course, he did lie and continues to lie. He still hasn't conceded the election, which he plainly lost. He's charged with actual crimes, criminal intent to obscure. Uh, to, to, to I forget what the actual name of the uh, law is, but criminal intent to basically steal the election or to coerce people in the states from uh, I forget what it is. And then there's there's one uh, forgery, uh, which is has to do with the elector scheme, uh, criminal intent for what for is the forgery? That's that's the slate of electors he was putting forward, the fake slate of electors. Um, and then there was. Um... Now, last episode or the episode before, I went through all four of the indictments only using my brain to explain to you precisely what the accusations and allegations were, what was in the indictments and why Trump had committed no crime. That's me. Now, the left, they don't care. Uh, Maher here, Bill Maher, he says that Trump committed crimes, and you just heard him fail to list a single crime because Bill Maher isn't intelligent. Bill Maher doesn't know. Well, he, he, he committed, he's a crime guy. He, he did the, the thing with the, 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 the fraud, and then I can't remember what it was, but, you know, the, 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 the other thing with the, 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 the thing with the election, you know, I mean, so he, Trump's a criminal. This is what we're dealing with. I cannot tell you how dangerous and scary it is when you're dealing with someone like Bill Maher who thinks he's smart, but he's an idiot. Dangerous, dangerous people. So that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, you know, just end with that to know that, you know, Bill Maher, he's not a bright guy. He's not a smart guy. And he's not one of us, despite his little moments where he says the COVID mandates are dumb, but he still will vote for Joe Biden. All right, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all. And until next time.
Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.